Order like a saint at Raising Cane's with tailgates of hand-battered chicken fingers and cane sauce and jugs of freshly made tea and lemonade. You can guarantee victory for every game day meal. Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. One love. (laughs) Official chicken finger of the Saints. Radio side of things so we can let Bill WD-40 into the chat room and lube us up for tonight's show. And come on, get over there. There we go. Okay, moving on. Toothbrush, how you doing, my man? And uh, Noble Patrick, thank you for that lovely super chat. I hope uh, you have a great birthday tonight, man. Really hope so. And uh, Candy Wolf, thank you for joining us. we got 30 seconds. Let's see if we can get everybody in. Ukrainian Anita, thank you for coming on in. Emmy Tong, Thomas Rock, uh, Dracultocon, how are you? And uh, who else? Asteroid, nice to see you. And... Mm. Uh, cold filtered over on Twitch. Welcome. And Mr. Cowley, welcome back to the show. Mr. Cowley loves the spaced out radio. Billy, badass Billy Gunn, horns up. Let's rock. From the mountains of central British Columbia to you listening around the world, this, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, talk stream live at KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at spaced out radio, Instagram at spaced out radio show, and on Patreon, the SOR Space Travelers Club. Our website, spacedoutradio.com, we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. We got a power show of fun tonight as we go into extraterrestrials. The meaning why they are here. Are they good? Are they bad? Experiencer and researcher Byron Lacey is here for the first time in almost eight years since we've had him on. And his beard is looking stellar. I'm going to tell you that right now. And I know the radio side won't be able to see that, but I like a good beard every now and again. I do. I'm jealous. But he's got a good one. And then in hour number three, Steve Stockton joins us for Among the Missing. Following that, Robin McRae for the shortened cryptid report. It's Dave 101 night and the strange news of the week. All right, let's just shoot right to it, shall we? I'm excited because, like I said, it's been ages since we've had Byron Lacey on the show, who is a fourth-generation abductee and had a relative, actually, that was institutionalized because she insisted little men came into her room at night sometimes and spoke with her. He was first visited in 1955 when he was just five years old, and the visits have continued all of his life. Byron is an artist, musician, 
and a writer. He also spent 13 years working for the Texas Department of Human Services, doing interviews of people for government benefits, and worked three years for the uh, Texas Department of Child Protective Services. With that knowledge he gained with CPS, he learned how to investigate his own abductions and contacts. Byron Lacey, it's been forever since I've had a good chance to chat with you. I am so glad you're back on Spaced Out Radio. How you been, my friend? I'm doing good, and it's good to be here. It is very good to have you here as well. Byron, there's a lot of people who know your story out there. There's a number of people who are going to learn about you for the first time. Being an ET contactee since five years old, what has that been like for you? Well, actually, it happened once at five, and I didn't know what was going on. I had no idea, and it was in 2009 that I discovered that I was an abductee. And at that point in time, it was very confusing and uh, upsetting and disturbing, except I realized they'd been doing it all along and they hadn't hurt me. I also made a list of all of the experiences I'd had that I had attributed to God or angels or spirit spirit guides, and I realized that they were all alien things and uh, that the aliens had saved my life nine times at that point in time. So it actually made it worth it to me. How did you find out that you were a four-time, or pardon me, a fourth-generation abductee? Well, from some things my parents said, I put together that they'd been abducted before. And then I was at a uh, festival thrown by Whitley Strieber, Dreamland Festival, I believe is what it was called. And there was a psychic there named Marla Freeze, a psychic medium. And I had brought a picture of my father with me. Nobody else had done that. And uh, I sat on the very first row, which was very unusual because I was used to sitting way in the back so that I would get chosen because I knew she was going to do three or four free readings. And uh, she she picked one woman before me and then she picked me and I gave her the picture and she said that that was pretty good that I brought it. She didn't look at it. She put it against her uh, leg above her knee and just held it there and and then she fell down on the floor, which she said was my father trying to show me that it was me and the way he died. And he had fallen on the porch and broke his hip and had surgery. The day they called me he had and told me he was going to have surgery, I went, oh, my God, he's going to die. And my sister goes, no, this is just, they do tons of these. There's no problem. Well, he died. He died the day after the surgery. Um, and she told me that I was a first generation. That's what he told her, the fourth generation. That's what he told her. Wow. Wow. I mean, knowing this, that you had this hidden family secret of alien abduction, what goes through your mind <laughs> when you hear that? 
Well, I, actually, I wish they had told me more about it and what they knew. Like, whenever I saw the very first one in 1955, my mother, she said, um, she came in the room three times because I called her three different days in a row. And the little guys were there, but every time she came in, they disappeared. And the third day, she sat down on the bed and she said, son, don't call me in here anymore when they're here because they're just going to be gone when I get in here and you're going to have to learn to deal with them yourself. And then she left the room and they were back and an extra one was there. And this is when it felt like the bed was revolving in the middle of the room and I couldn't move and the little guys were moving with the bed this other being that was in there looked like Captain Hook. And that was one of my favorite cartoon characters at the time, except he was almost seven feet tall. And about the time I was getting ready to really freak out and start screaming, everything was gone. The room, the room had grown real big. It shrank. The bed stopped moving and I could move. Wow. Wow, that that is absolutely impressive. Byron, you have dedicated your life to learning about this subject. Why has this subject of alien abduction been so passionate for you outside of your own experiences? Well, that that's really the main reason is uh, that and then also trying to help people to cope with it and to understand that it might not be a bad thing. I went through a period of time for about four to six months in 2009 after I found out what was going on, that they would communicate with me sometimes psychically. And in fact, I found out that many of my ideas actually probably came from them all along. Do you like being an abductee? So mainly I got in. Yeah. They saved my life. I'd be dead if it weren't for them. I'd have probably died at two and a half. Because I had uh, an incurable cancer they found when I was two and a half years old, a sarcoma. And the doctor thought I was going to die. In fact, he was sure of it, that I would eventually die and told my parents to go have another baby. So it would lessen the blow when I died. Wow. Wow. The impact that this has had on your life, many of us are are not ever going to be able to imagine. I mean, growing up and learning about this, even though you grew up uh, or learned about this just a number of years ago about your own experiences, what do you think you have learned the most about your ET contact? Well, I know more about my purpose. See, I've always felt I had a purpose and that in some way it would have to do with the public. And um, like now, and I never fit in. I never fit in with my family. I never fit in with just people in general. I had some friends that I got along good with and I almost got us all into a bunch of trouble. 
because I was a thrill seeker at first. And, but anyway, it helped me to realize that uh, I was supposed to tell people about the aliens. Because after I published my book, I started telling a lot of people about it. There was no reason to keep it a secret. It was on Amazon. I'd tell strangers in grocery stores in line for checkout that I was an abductee. In fact, they were the first ones that I told. Mm. Why did you feel you needed to get your message out? Uh, it was a, a compulsion. I I wrote, see, when I, when I figured it out, or when I was told that I was an abductee, and I looked at all the websites about it, they like each i looked at three and they each had 99 questions and uh if you answered most of them you were an abductee well i answered yes to all of them that were for men and uh that's how i knew plus they came to me the first time shortly after that consciously hmm Who's visiting you? Well, now, most of the time, I don't know, but a couple of times it's been a mantis creature or a mantis being, and um, he was the one that looked like Captain Hook. It was really what I thought was a pirate's coat was his robe because a lot of the mantis beings wear robes, and the ones I've seen did. And I recognized that his voice in when he talked to me psychically. What were those messages? Well, one of them, he took me to the light. And he didn't give me a message at that point in time. But uh, I had been doing this experiment and I called myself a necronaut because I thought that perhaps there was a way to get out of your body the way you would when you're dead, except not be dead. Although it was a very depressing part of my life. And I think actually I really did want to die. <clears throat> At any way, I was doing this every night, the same meditation where I would get as relaxed as possible. And I used an entrainment CD and um, one night, or it was actually evening, one evening, I suddenly couldn't tell if I was breathing or not. I couldn't tell if my heart was beating. There were no phosphines in my field of vision with my eyes closed, and I couldn't hear anything. And all of a sudden, I was in this extreme blackness. And... Uh, a wall of light opened up right next to me. Now, I had no awareness of my body. I felt like I was... Well, before that happened, all of my um, negative things in my mind started leaving me. All of my hang-ups, all of my fears, all my doubts, everything just started going away. And I could, I could almost see it stream away. And I felt better and better and better. And I also felt smaller and smaller. And I felt like I was the size 
of a pencil lead, the tip of a pencil lead. And, and then I realized that if I wanted to, I could move into the light. But for some reason, I didn't realize that it was the light. I didn't know what it was. And I was wishing somebody was there to tell me because I didn't know what to do. Anyway, at, at that point, I knew I could move into it, but I decided not to. I thought about it and I thought, well, what if I go in and what if I come out and I'm having a heart attack? And I live like 15 miles from town. They'd never get here in time to save me. And um, I said, I'm not going to go. And this voice that turned out to be the same voice that had talked to me when I was a child. Now, I didn't know I was an abductee at this time that this was happening. But it was the same voice that had talked to me as Captain Hook. And uh, one other time. And it said, Hmm, you wanted this, and I got it for you, and now you're not going to go. And it laughed sarcastically three times. And as it did, the first time, the wall of light turned into a sphere. And then the second time, it got smaller. The third time, it disappeared. And I was wide awake. And a man who is my mentor, I always regretted not going into the light. And he said, no, you did the right thing because you wouldn't have wanted to come out. You would have stayed. Incredible. Byron Lacey is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio. We're talking about alien contact. Byron, you know, we were... We talked to a number of people who've never experienced this before, and we've talked to people who have had multiple experience and encounters with everything. What have you learned about yourself being an abductee? Well, one of my experiences was brought on by a psychic that I had used who lived in London and would send me an MP, MP4, MP3 of my reading. And she had done it for two years, once a year, and everything she had said had come true. The third year I got one, it was near the end of the year, and everything that she had told me had come true except one thing. And in, at that time, now I knew I was abducted at that time, and she said, you're one of them. She said, this may sound funny, <laughs> but you're you're one of them. And uh, I was meditating, and I got to thinking, everything she's told me has come true. Why wouldn't that be true? And I decided to try and focus on it and see if I could feel it. And I thought about how I've never gotten along or felt a part of my family. I felt like I was an orphan left on the doorstep. They were totally different from me, like, my father wanted me to grow up to be a policeman or a prison guard or work on a farm. And uh, they just wouldn't work. My family were all cattlemen up until me, basically, up until the Depression. And uh, I, was, I started really feeling like I was an alien. I started feeling it. 
from all the things I've been thinking about. I, st I knew it was true. So uh, suddenly I knew intellectually that it was true. And I felt that it was true. And at that point, it felt like two fingers reached into the back of my head and pushed in. It didn't hurt. And uh, also I had lost breathing and heartbeat. And it grabbed me. And I felt like a little orb or sphere. And it pulled me out of my head. And I was in this immense darkness and then a grid of light appeared and it was infinite up and down and side to side and i think it was just there as a focal point so i could orient myself because at that point i could actually see 360 degrees around me which is something i can't even conceive of now i'm so used to just looking straight at ahead and then there were three beings in, they were made of light and they were in these huge thrones or chairs made of light. And this voice said, the council of three. And I knew it was introducing them to me. And then the one in the middle, I could tell it was his thought. He said, we've been waiting for you to figure this out. We're very proud of you. And then all this information that it was going in so fast, it was like when you used to dial up a computer to get online, that screeching noise, it was like that going into my head. And I saw pictures and uh, heard things. I don't think I saw words. It went in very fast and I couldn't remember it except one thing I remembered after I woke up. And that one thing that I remembered was um, your debt. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade, starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice, Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade, starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice, Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts is the chains of your slavery. Mm. And that's all it said. And I immediately set to work and over three years got completely out of debt. And other things have come to me as time has gone by. Interesting. Byron, we got about two minutes to go here. Why did you think you were chosen? Well, I think it's because I'm not human. I'm not a human soul. I've only been here once or twice. And I'm pretty sure when I came here, I didn't even have any karma. 
because that's something basically you accumulate on earth. And uh, I volunteered, although after a while it didn't seem like a good idea. So you don't think you're from this planet, or at least your soul isn't meant to be here? Right. I think I was actually, in fact, I was supposed to be a walk-in. There was a soul that wanted to be here for two and a half years, and it was in my body. It was in its body, and that was what was going to be. And during the operation, they were going to take that soul out and put me in which would have meant, even though I was a baby, I would have had psychic abilities and things much more quickly uh, than I have gotten them now. So I was supposed to be a walk-in, but that soul decided at the last minute that it didn't want to come at all. So I was born here. I've heard that numerous times from people that they don't feel like they're belonging here due to whatever circumstance it may be and byron when we get back from the break here at the bottom of the hour i want to ask you about what et abductions are all about why are they taking us what do they want from us whether it's the grays the mantids the reptilians the pleiadians and every zeta reticulin in between Byron Lacey is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio. We're talking about E.T. abduction. Aliens, are they good? Are they bad? Do they fall under a stigma? Is it all our imagination? I don't believe that one. But we will get Byron's story when we return on Spaced Out Radio for the second half hour right after this. Great, solid first half hour, Byron. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Mama Catherine, mwah, to you, my dear. I hope you're having a wonderful night. By the way, if you look at Mama Catherine's, this one, uh, and I, I got to thank uh, Jessica Jones for this, but if you look at Mama Catherine's photo, look at that. It's her and I having a hug in Las Vegas last year. There it is. I, I wish I could get it bigger. I do wish I could get it bigger. See if I can here. Hold on. Hi, Mama Catherine. There it is. Look at that nice picture of me and Mama Catherine. I love her. One of the most beautiful souls ever that I've met. Blue Cruise, how you doing? Ian McFadden, that's a good question. Why won't they let Dave drive the ship? Damn right, I've got a parking spot for them. Why won't they let me drive the ship? Reality, how you doing, man? Nice to see you. And oh, the furnace kicked on. Hold on. Old Davy gonna have to open up a window now. That's what happens when you live on the top of a mountain, Dave. So I'm okay that way. We are safe that way. 
Hi, gorgeous Kira. How are you? Debster. How's it going? What did Debster say? Oh, Dave has... Dave's not very photogenic. Trust me when I say that, Deb. Dave is not photogenic. Bobo, Troy SR71. How you guys doing? And, uh... Sarah Yon, nice to see you. Uh, no, the bear hasn't been back yet. He sauntered off into a different area. Sauntered. We don't use the word sauntered around here enough. I'm just saying. How's the art going there, Dirty Filth? Oh, you know, we've got the the rubber duckies made a return, apparently, in the UFO world. So I'm going to draw him while he's fresh. Mm. And where's Blob tonight? I don't know. It's still nice out, so she's probably prowling the neighborhood, sauntering the neighborhood, if sauntering. you will. Sauntering. Very nice use. She went for a saunter. Mm-hmm. I heard Byron likes to have a good saunter every now and again. We got about two minutes. chat goes so fast dave i have no idea how you keep track of it you must have like a 70 foot screen it's actually pretty slow in the um in the spreaker chat not spreaker Streamyard chat pardon me Tokeland, how you doing from tumwater washington height unknown weight unknown stepping into the ring with his manager blobbert I bet you Blob would be a good wrestling manager. We have to draw that down now. CS, good evening to you. Lucy Fur. Hey, Dave. Hope you don't mind. You smash away there, Lucifer. Put all that evil into that into that uh, like button. Big thank you to W. Decker. Noble Patrick on his birthday and Debster for the great super chats. Thank you so much for the love and support, everyone. And thank you to everyone who's hit subscribe, rang that bell and given us a thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs sideways. Don't forget, you can join the Space Travelers Club. Be like Debster, be like Kira, be like Mennonite Abe. Join the Space Travelers Club for as low as five bucks a month on Patreon. Here we go. Here comes the second half hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. 
Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Reminder to all of you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and join the Space Travelers Club for as low as five bucks a month on Patreon. Byron Lacey is here. Yeah, he has been investigating alien abductions and ET contact for the better part of 13 years now after he found out about his own lifetime of experiences. We're glad to have Byron back here. Byron, thank you so much for joining us on Spaced Out Radio tonight. Thank you for having me. What's it like to be abducted? The times that I've done it where I was aware, where they've done it where I was aware of it, it was um, amazing. There, uh, it was almost like a dream, and it had a certain amount of unrealisticness about it because you're facing these creatures that uh, you may have never seen, you haven't seen before, and you have no control of anything. They control it all. How do you know when they're around? I used to get sped up. I would feel my whole body would it'd be like I took a super dose. Instacart helps you get beer and wine delivered in as fast as an hour. So whether you need to fill the cooler for tailgate season or fill your glass for Pinot by the fire season, you can save time by getting fall sips delivered in just a few clicks. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Must be 21 or over for alcohol delivery where available. Instacart. Add life to cart. Strength. Power. Milk. Um. Strength. Power. Milk. Um, strength, power, milk. Um, of caffeine or something, and that would last for a little while, and then something might happen. Hmm. So, like most most of the things. Most of the things I haven't been aware that they were doing anything except like I'm driving in my, there's been three or four times I'm driving in my car and suddenly I'm on a different road. Instantly. Is it more in the daytime or nighttime that they're taking you? Well, they take, when they come visit the, in the car, it's been during the daytime but because I don't drive around much at night, but they come when I'm asleep. I've I've awakened like totally the wrong way in bed, facing 
facing a door to my porch, which I never use. It's always closed. It's like they laid me down and they went, oh, he's supposed to be facing the door. So they put me that way. One experience I had before I knew about them, I was meditating and I would put a pillow over my head to meditate. And suddenly, and I got very deep, but I suddenly felt two hands go around my ankles and jerk me down on the bed to where my head came out from under the pillow. And and then they let go of me. Well, I kept my eyes shut because I was worried about what I might see. Or even if it was a person, it wouldn't be very good to have a person do that to you, you know, a stranger. But finally, I opened my eyes and there was nobody there. But I was not laying on the pillow that I had been. It was up here. And the one that had been over my face was up here. I remember a time where after the show one night, I crawled into bed and I was just about to doze on into a deep sleep. And I felt my right leg start to rise up. And I, and I remember turning my head saying, really, I'm trying to sleep here. Do you mind not doing this tonight? And all of a sudden I felt my leg go back down onto the bed. And they, I don't know if it was a ghost or aliens in my room at that night, Byron, but I could tell you they were very polite. They, they watch after me. They've warned me about car accidents. Um, in fact, one time I didn't really follow their warning and I almost did have an accident because I just wanted to see what would happen. But I, I, I thank them for telling me about it. I was leaving a store where I've been buying building supplies and they told me to go a different way home. This voice said, go by the loop. Cause they're always just very specific and very few words. And I said, I don't, I don't want to go by the loop. I want to get home fast. I want to go by the highway. And they said, go by the loop. And I said, um, no, I don't want to go by the loop. And they said, car accident. And I went, okay. I said, I really appreciate you looking out for me, but I want to go this other way. So I'm going to be very careful. And I was on the road home the way I'd planned to go. And suddenly this black SUV pulls right in front of me and I almost hit it. And I slam on my brakes and I slam on my horn. But luckily, I'd seen him because I was being very aware of everything. And um, I pulled around him. And then after a second, all of a sudden, he pulled back around me and slammed on his brakes. And I jerked to the side. And there was an exit there that had a different way to my house. So I just took it. So I didn't have to mess with him anymore. But if they hadn't told me about it, um, I probably would have hit him the very first time he pull that stunt have they ever been violent with you not that i know of have you been violent with now, them? i wake up i thought about it once i thought i thought i'm gonna put the gun by my bed this was the when it was first happening i'm gonna put my gun by my bed and i'm gonna shoot one and this this voice said you would shoot us? 
And I went, no, I really wouldn't. And then that, that was all of that little contact. And I felt them leave. And I sort of felt them laughing. And I realized they knew that if I tried to shoot them, they would just stop me. What's the most memorable encounter that you have had? Well, it was the um, the light beams where they told me I was one of them. Where I realized that we're really like an orb inside of our body, basically resting right above the spinal column where it goes into the head. And how did that change you? I, I felt like I knew what my purpose was. I didn't know exactly what it was, but I knew that it definitely had to do with talking about aliens. I knew that and trying to help people who are afraid of them. See, we like a lot of the times when I've had an abduction, I don't know it, but I'll wake up with bruises on my arms and sometimes puncture marks. And usually it's three. Sometimes it's the, like the points of a triangle. And I have had where there was 21 of them, three rows of seven on one wrist. And no bug is going to do anything like that. Plus, when you look at these real close, they're slightly dipped in like somebody stuck a needle in you. And a psychic told me that most of those were um, inoculations to protect me from illnesses I might pick up from other humans while on the ship. But the bruises, I think that the bruises are... when. They they vibrate at a higher frequency than we do. That's why they can go through walls. Uh, that's why they can shoot off in choom, so fast or disappear and probably still be there, but we can't see them. That's why they can do all those things, and because dimensions are levels of vibration, so they just shift their vibration. Well, to take us on a ship. They don't lower the ship's vibration. They raise our vibration. And uh, some woman talked about this, but I can't remember her name right now. She did hypnotism with people and found out a lot of things. But when they take you on a ship, and that's another reason that they hurry in and out so often, is because it's uncomfortable for them to become our level of physicality. So they take us and they raise our vibrations and it will cause a slight damage like bruising. It doesn't cause the punctures. And I think also that one of the reasons that abductees are psychic is because their vibrational level is raised periodically like there were periods in time where I was abducted two times a month. So during those two times, my vibrations were raised. And that's what you try to do to become psychic, is raise your vibratory rate. You have an attitude that the ETs 
visiting here are good and for the benefit of humanity for the most part. A lot of people would contradict that and say they're bad, they're negative. We got to protect our planet from them just jumping into our rooms and taking us without any uh, notification or even asking. Where do you stand on this grandiose debate? Well, first off, I think the people that are abducted agreed to be abducted before they were born. And that the aliens agreed to abduct them for whatever reason. And it could be to make them more psychic. It could be to protect them the way they do me, to protect my life. Because they know our past, present, and future. Um, <clears throat> okay. So, go ahead. And a, a lot of people, a lot of people are upset because they say, they're taking me without my permission. I bet they're treating me like a lab animal they're saying this different stuff and some of them don't even know what happens to them when they're abducted but they know they're abducted because they find the marks so it's more fear than actual dread of the alien abduction it's a fear about it in their minds and then there are groups of people for a long time, the government who would tell you that it was bad, that we must protect our airspace. Where do you stand on that debate? We can't protect our airspace. We can't stop them. And I don't, if they were, if they were going to take us over, they would have already. This episode is brought to you by undeniably dairy. Picture a dairy farmer. Did you picture a meteorologist studying the atmosphere? How about an engineer running a biogas system that turns manure into renewable energy? Or a scientist researching nutrients to try to help reduce methane emissions from cows? A farmer is more than a farmer. To learn more about what dairy farmers are doing to make their farms more sustainable, visit usdairy.com. When you fill up at the specially marked giving pump at participating Shell stations, it's not just your engine that benefits. A portion of your purchase will be donated to a local children's charity at no additional cost to you. Fill up today for a good cause by looking out for the colorful Purple Giving Pump, an easy way to give back and drive positive change for children in local communities. Shell is turning empty tanks into brighter futures. It costs nothing extra, but it can mean everything. Done it. They could have done it in the Pleistocene era. They could have done it to to, uh, cavemen. They could have done it when we were just, when there were just Indians living here. You know, why would they wait till we had nuclear weapons and everything and then go, oh, let's take them over? That's my argument. That's my argument. I mean, if they really wanted to take us and they wanted to roll over on humanity. Okay, what what they would do is they would have taken us when our best weapons were spears and a bow and arrow. Yes, exactly. That's where I don't understand the whole concept of the fear mongering that's coming out of uh, the government regarding this subject. For, they want to control us in some way, and if we're afraid, then we're easier to control it's just like now they've been talking about the great depression 
um, the Great Depression was probably caused by the elite bankers who wanted to make people fearful to lose their homes. And that way they would be more easily controlled because they would see the government as their savior. Yeah. The only way out. The government's never been a savior for anybody. Anybody. No. Except themselves. But that's for another topic on another night. Uh, you know, looking at the aliens and and or the extraterrestrials, whatever you want to call them, off-worlders, there are so many different species that seem to be taking us. Have you ever had the opportunity to ask any of them why they feel the importance of taking people? I tried to figure out a way to find that out. And one night I thought, and this was during that window of about three months where they were talking to me some when I meditate, they were talking and it was obvious. In fact, they talked to me about several different things. They told me not to rent a tape in Hastings because I would not be able to buy it. And I sat there arguing with them and I realized I was talking out loud to them while they were talking in my head and people were probably listening to me. And I said, I'm going to watch this tape. I'm going to try and watch this tape. Anyway, I appreciate you looking out for me. And, um, I got home and put it on the VCR and it was a tape about a man who wakes up in a box buried under the dirt in the middle East, a truck driver. Well, it opens up just on total blackness. And then all of a sudden you hear a cigarette lighter snap about three times. And then there's light. And I go, oh, my God. And I had to turn it off right there because it hit my claustrophobia so bad. No kidding. And now I forget why I went off on that tangent. It doesn't matter. Oh, <laughs> I, I realized that if I could get them to tell me why they have saved my life, it would give me some insight into what they're doing. You know, why are you saving my life? So during one of these times when I was meditating and they started talking to me, I said it, I said, why have you saved my life so many times? And the voice very seriously, seriously said, we want you alive. And I'm going, no joke. Actually, I said something that I can't say on this radio station. But uh, so there's just no, you can't outsmart them. No, you can't. No, you can't. And they know what whatsoever. you're thinking. Okay, so have they ever, in your experience, left marks on your body or scar tissue that uh, isn't settling right or healing right? No. In fact, the the bruises, when you find them in the morning, they look like they're a couple of days old. And they go away very quickly. And I, one morning I woke up and I went into the kitchen. I was groggy. I went in and I was drinking a caffeine drink at that time. And I got the can out, and I popped the lid off, and then I changed hands, and there was blood on the can. And I go, God, ah, 
you know, why didn't they wash this off or something? And then I saw that I actually had blood in the palm of my hand and I had a puncture like someone had taken a pencil and gone bam, and just put the lead into me. And I went back to the bedroom and I didn't see, I, I had pulled all of the clothes out of my bed, my closet the night before to rearrange and they were lying on both sides of my bed. So I'd had to crawl down the bed to get out that morning. And I figured if I got up in the middle of the night and got punctured, I would have to crawl back in. Uh, so I pulled the covers back. There was no blood on the sheet. And I started to go away. And then I went, uh, and I thought about the pillows. So I, I sleep with two pillows, one on top of my head and one under it, ever since I was a kid. Well, I looked at the pillow, and where the pillow would be like this, and my hand would be on it, there was a spot of blood. And then where my hand, where if I turned over and my hand was against the bed, there was a spot of blood. So there was blood on the pillow and blood on the sheet. So it obviously happened while I was in bed. But the amazing thing was that within six hours, it was completely gone. I could scrape my hand, couldn't feel a thing. There was no puncture, no pain, nothing. You know, what's funny is you mentioned about how things disappear. I had a situation like that on my back where I woke up one morning and I had two long, almost like cat-like jagged scars, like when a cat scratches they their their mm-hmm. their claws stutter, and they were about an inch apart wow. and about four inches long, and I had two of them, like they were side by side on my back, and I look at my back in the mirror and I'm like, what the hell is this, right? I said to my partner because my partner noticed it first, and she's like, I don't, what did you do last night? I, said, I don't know. So she's like, did the cats attack you? And I'm like, no. So. I figured I got to get a picture of this. So what do I do? I go to the bathroom because, you know, it's morning time and we all have to do that before we go. And then my partner walks into the kitchen to grab herself a coffee and start some breakfast. And I go to the kitchen, put a shirt on, think nothing of it, start my day. Four hours later, I remembered about the scratches. I go back to the mirror to take a picture of them and they're gone, completely gone. No scarring, no nothing. What the hell is that? Byron? And that's impossible. It's impossible. They must have some gel or something they can put on us that makes us heal. I mean, if we could get a hold of that, we'd be filthy rich. And I've heard they use that if they have to do surgery on someone. They uh, they take layers of skin and muscle and stuff. They take them off and stack them up. And then they rearrange them where they are the way they're supposed to be. And they put that that liquid on there. And they put the layer and the layer and the layer and the layer. And then in an hour or so, it's totally healed. I never understood that one. I never understood that one. We got about 90 seconds left before we have to go to break at the top of the hour. Byron Lacey is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio. Byron, for you and everything you've gone through and learned about yourself, 
looking back, how has it defined who you are? I really don't know. I'm, I am an abductee, but I'm also an artist. I'm a musician. I'm a writer. Um, now I'm a digital creator. Um, I try to be a nice person, so I think I'm a nice person, although I know I have capabilities like everybody else to not be nice when you get angry. And I'm an alien abductee. Are and you, I do pe tell people that. Do you ever get angry at the aliens? No. I, I, uh, when I first found out about them, I was shocked and I was scared and I was worried that maybe I was insane and there were no aliens. In fact, at that point, I would rather that there were and, uh, but not angry at them. Why aren't you angry at them? I never had a reason to be. If they ever hurt me, it was while I was unconscious or they wiped it out of my memory, so I didn't know about it. Perfect. Byron, I'm going to get you to hold on right there because we are going to go to break here at the top of the hour. We have Byron Lacey for another one hour here on Spaced Out Radio talking about alien abductions, talking about ET contact. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it Memorex? I don't know. We're trying to figure it on out. Byron Lacey, lifelong extraterrestrial contactee. His story. We'll get into some other stories. We'll get into your questions as well if you're in our YouTube chat. Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott continues right after this. All right, Dirty, it's on to you, man. I'll be right back, guys. Hi, Magnus Verbangnison. Hi, sweet Robbie G. And did I miss anybody? <clears throat> I don't think so. All right. All yours there, Dirty Filth. I have to wait for the paint to dry a little bit more. All right, let's see all the weirdos in here. Hello, everybody. I forgot to say hi to earlier on tonight. In case if you missed it, I'm drawing the rubber ducky UFO. Yeah, Neil, once in a while you got to go out to the desert. We get that frozen desert in Canada. You know, that'd be cool if, if we had penguins in Canada. Get a, yeah, we got the convoy with the rubber duckies. Oh, I gotta go play that song afterwards. Crystal J, all of the cats are wrangled. Blob is piled on her mom. The gremlin and the gargoyle are right beside me. And Whiskey's in the basement being grumpy. Thank you, Anita. 
I appreciate the kind words. Slopped a lot of water on this sucker tonight. That should be enough. More blob. You see, the thing is, cats aren't like dogs. You can't just tell them to come over and expect them to hang out with you. Thanks, Monica. Lovey love. Cats are also not like Super Nintendo cartridges where you blow on them, they do things for you. But you're not actually supposed to blow on your old Nintendo cartridges because you slobber into the it's some junk and the weird things in there and then it ruins it. Actually, Susie B, I don't feed the cats any any fish. I've had a lot of bad experiences with fish and cats and crystals in their whiz. And I like my cats. Forbidden history, grisly ghosts, monstrous cryptids, and harrowing folklore dominate Japan's history and culture. Mysterious Japan is a bi-weekly podcast presenting these spine-chilling horror stories, urban legends, and unbelievable histories in a campfire story format. Many of these tales have never been presented in English before. Our journey takes place where dark history and supernatural folklore collide. Mysterious Japan is produced, written, and translated by recognized Japan expert Dr. Heath Avey. Season 1 relates the unbelievable legends and ghost stories from the so-called suicide forest. Listen to Mysterious Japan for free on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at our website at themysteriousjapan.com and be transported by unbelievable stories where the lines between reality and folklore become blurred in the shadowlands of Japan. Once again, that's themysteriousjapan.com. You know, Dave says it goes slower in StreamYard, but it really doesn't. It's fast both ways. I feed the cats raw meat. Yes, Mrs. Phil buys like 70-pound sacks of raw meat. Whiskey agrees. Yes, whiskey. Dave, we're talking about cat food. What's that? We're talking about cat food. Oh, okay. Hi, Magnus Verbagnuson. 
see who else has jumped in here. Randy Lloyd, welcome to SOR. Black Dragon, our favorite Marine. How you doing, buddy? Thank you for your service. Whiskey show up? Yeah, she was here and then she left. She came in, complained about something, and then left. Mm. And now the gremlin and the gargoyle are fighting. No blobbert signings sightings yet, eh? I tried. Oh, Sorry, Dave. I know. I just love the blob. We'll see what I can do later on for you. All right. Appreciate that. Big thank you to W. Decker, Noble Patrick, and Debster for the super chats tonight. It's a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. So thank you so, so much. And a big thank you to everyone in our Space Travelers Club, our latest member, the Debster. As long as five bucks a month, people. We'd love to be able to uh, have you join up. We're having a lot of fun in there. And... You can do some shopping at spacedoutradio.com. And if you're new here, don't forget to hit subscribe, ring that bell, and, you know, join us each and every day. All right, guys, we got five seconds. Here we go, everyone. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. And on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Here we go with hour number two of Spaced Out Radio tonight. My name is Dave Scott. Very glad to have you all with us, tuning us on in for the woo that stands between you and I. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, Talk Stream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey to the favor. Hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Nectareal. Nectareal is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com, we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and the Space Travelers Club, which you could go on Patreon and subscribe right now. Here we go. Hour number two with Byron Lacey, ET experiencer, investigator, researcher, artist, songwriter. My friend, it's so good to chat with you again. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Dave. Love it. Good to talk with you, too. Love love you being here, my man. Hey, a lot of people out there wonder what happens when you're on the craft. Have you ever had any clear details of what truly goes on up there wherever they take you? I've, um, I've been on one craft. One, the very first time that I was consciously on one and um, I was, became very passive and 
didn't really have much thought going on as to what I should do. Like, I didn't think of a bunch of questions to ask them. I didn't think about fighting them. I just thought about, wow, I'm on an alien spaceship. Woo-hoo. Did you get to fly it? And, uh, no. This was the very first time I had, when I realized I was an abductee and I realized I probably had some implants, I thought they can hear everything I say. And I later found they could hear everything I say, see everything I see, and know everything I thought. But I, I said, said to myself that uh, if they're getting something from me, whatever it is from abducting me, then I ought to get something in return. And maybe that would be information. So I went out under an electric line in my backyard, just past my backyard in my woods. And I, it, the only reason I was under there was because it was cleared by the electric company all the time. So there were no weeds or stuff and I could walk. And I said, okay, I want to know what y'all are doing to me. I want to know if you're abducting to me. I want to know if I'm crazy. I want to know what's going on. And I'm going to ask you this psychically every day for eight hours or no, six hours until you get sick of it. Apple Card is the perfect credit card for every purchase. It has cashback rewards unlike others. You earn unlimited daily cashback on every purchase, receive it daily, and can grow it at 4.15% annual percentage yield when you open a high-yield savings account. Apply for Apple Card in the Wallet app on iPhone and start earning and growing your daily cash with savings today. Apple Card subject to credit approval. Savings is available to Apple Card owners subject to eligibility requirements. Savings accounts provided by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Pete's. Few things start your day better than a good coffee. That's why Pete's hand roast their coffee from a specific selection of high-quality beans. And they don't just put those beans into anyone's hands. Pete's trains their roasters for 10,000 hours so they can master the roast that gives you the most. Pete's Coffee. Coffee for coffee people. Find Pete's online or at your local retailer. And give me an answer. And I said, I'm I'm not going to give up. And I, as I did it for six hours, I finally boiled it down to, I want to know what you're doing to me. I want to know if you're taking me. I said that in my mind over and over and over again. And on the fifth day, I did it. And I was supposed to go sing at a country, sing country music at a little restaurant near my house. So I got in there and started singing. And I immediately, I hadn't done it since I was in high school. I immediately started forgetting all the words and I had to make them up. And a guy came out of the audience who eventually taught me how to play bass guitar and became my best friend before he died. And, um, He said, I play guitar and you give me your guitar and you get your music, your words out of your guitar case and we'll finish this up. So we did. Then it was about 1130 when we quit and I went home and I was past my bedtime, but I wanted to go to sleep, even though I was sort of amped up from doing the singing and stuff. So I laid down and I laid there for about 30 or 40 minutes and tossed and turned. 
I realized I wasn't going to be able to go to sleep. So I put on a Zygon a CD that has an entrainment on it for meditation. And I got really deep in a really deep trance, more so than usual. Then all of a sudden, I thought my heart wasn't beating. And I raised my consciousness up just enough to tell that it was still going. I was just not aware of it. I thought I wasn't breathing. I couldn't see the phosphines. All I saw was solid black. And then suddenly I, I was in a, a, a hammock. Only it was, it was connected side to side instead of end to end. So it was like this and I was laying in it. And um, everything looked real blurry. I put my hands up behind me and grabbed hold of the edges of it and I pulled myself out of it and I plopped down on the floor. I didn't have any shoes on and I realized I didn't have any clothes on either. I was exactly the way I was when I had gotten in bed. So usually in dreams, I'm dressed, always in dreams, I'm dressed and it, everything looked blurry and I reached up and my, I didn't have my glasses on either. And I suddenly realized I was in an alien spaceship. And I said, I'm, I'm in a UFO. Finally, I know what they're doing. And then I heard some kind of rustling through this open this opening like a door. Only it didn't have a door on it. And I, I went, mm, I don't think I'm ready to see aliens at this point. This has been enough. Then everything went black. And then it came back up, just like a cut to black in a movie, and then back out to regular light. And I was laying on this metal table, and there were three grays down at the foot of it on the side, just like when I'd been a kid. And there was a creature that looked really strange. He was about seven foot tall, and he was over to the side. And... uh I started to freak out and he thought, I, I heard his thought and he said, don't be afraid. And instantly I wasn't afraid. And it wasn't because he'd said it, but his words had controlled me, controlled my nervous system. Then I could suddenly see myself from the bed there in the ship. And I could see myself in the room there in the ship. And I have a friend, Daryl Sims, the alien hunter, yes. who helped me when I was, you know, he investigates abductions. And I talked with him about this, and he said they can, they can make you perceive from wherever they want you to perceive. He said you, you weren't in the bed. They were just doing that to make you feel more comfortable. And he said... He also said they could see an x-ray. This was before I told him what had happened then. Well, I was on the table, and everything turned black and white as I was watching from the bed. Everything was in black and white. I was in black and white. They were in black and white. And then this blackness came in like this, and it made it where I could only see myself from my neck down to my knees. And my feet were up on the edge of the, the bottom edge of the table. 
And then like somebody flipped a switch, I could see perfectly into my body. And I always wished I could have seen the aliens because I would have known what they looked like inside. But they were behind that blackness. And I could, I could see all my organs. I could see my skeleton, everything. I couldn't see my skin. I could just see right through me. And they did the procedure with the anal probe at that point. And then I woke up. And I Why was did they bed. do that? Why did they do that? I don't know. I don't know. A, a friend of mine had a theory that, that it's so close to the spinal column that they can somehow read the spinal column or something, but he didn't know either. So, um, I was, I was happy that I'd been on a ship that I'd saw what they were doing to me. And I turned over and went right to sleep and I'd never go right to sleep. But, you know, even before when I got home, it took me over an hour to get to that meditative state. Well, the next morning and I slept all night long. And the next morning I woke up and I got out of bed. No, I didn't get out of bed. I reached over and got this piece of paper and a pencil. And I drew what that guy, that being had looked like. Because I was going to show it to my friend to show him that nothing on earth looked like that. And it had to be a dream. And then I started crying and I couldn't stop crying. I didn't feel sad. I didn't have scary thoughts. I just cried and cried and I thought that somehow it was releasing something subconsciously locked inside of me. So anyway, I cried for about 30 to 40 minutes and then it just stopped and I was fine. Well, that night we went walking at the Creek for exercise and I told him as we were walking, what had happened. We got back to his apartment and we went inside and I said, now I'm going to show you something that proves that was all a dream. And he said, okay. So I gave him the piece of paper and he opened it up and looked at it and he turned around to his computer and typed in some stuff and he goes, come here. So I walk over to him and there was my drawing. Only it was somebody else had drawn it the exact same thing on his, on a website. Wow. And it was called the mantis, called the mantis creature or the mantis being. And that was the first time you had learned about that interaction. Yes. Now, of course the thing happened when I was five years old, but I didn't have the faintest idea what it was. At five years old, at five years old, they probed you. I don't know about that. See, what I experienced was being the room got bigger and bigger and the bed started rotating and I could not move. Now, I probably wasn't even in my bedroom. I was probably on a ship. Because <clears throat> obviously the room didn't get bigger. When the people are inside the craft they say on the outside it looks bloody tiny but then you go on the inside of the craft and it's as big as an nfl football stadium did you have that experience too i in hypnosis i experienced walking through one 
Um, in fact, it was at the Dreamland Festival. This woman was there who wanted to be a hypnotist. She was a nurse and she had been studying hypnotism. And so she hypnotized me. And uh, in 1961, I was in a music class and um, our teacher was absent one day. And there was this new substitute that had never been there. And she was about 19 or 20. She was a college student. And she, she said, well, since it's winter's over, we're going to go outside and exercise. Well, none of us wanted to exercise. That's why we were in music class. So anyway, she took us out there, a bunch of 11-year-olds. Well, they were 10. I was 11 because I failed a grade, first grade because I couldn't read because I needed glasses, but I didn't know that till I was seven. Anyway, we're, she had us line up and put our arms out and touch fingers and then move slightly away from each other. And she had us doing side straddle hops. And it was actually quite warm. And we were out in the sun and she was standing under this huge oak tree. Well, all of a sudden we all just froze and we're looking up above the tree and there's this ship. Did you know MDOT spends $3.2 million a year picking up litter? That's money we could use to maintain roads and bridges, patch potholes, and focus on improving Mississippi's infrastructure. It's our job to pick up litter, but it's your job not to litter. Yet 62% of all Mississippi litter is deliberate. We can't do our job if you don't do yours. Visit GoMDOT.com slash Don't Trash MS to learn ways you can help. Don't Trash Mississippi. Introducing the revolutionary mascara from CoverGirl that adds extreme volume, up to 300% more volume than bare lashes. New Lash Blast Cleantopia is the plant-powered mascara made with 72% natural origin ingredients and infused with cellulose plant fibers. Cleantopia is like a green thumb for your lashes. For lush, check-me-out lashes that last up to 24 hours with no smudging, no flaking, and no clumps. Put the power of plants to work for you with new Lash Blast Cleantopia Mascara. Only from Easy Breezy Beautiful CoverGirl. It, it looked like, now I put together models at that time, so I knew what these looked like. It like, looked like a George Washington class submarine, nuclear submarine, flipped upside down with the conning tower removed and the battle deck of the battleship Missouri hooked to it. But they weren't, the, the guns weren't guns, they were like rooms. And uh, it was right there above the tree. And we stood there like we were in a trance. And then she goes, Okay, okay, let's get back to work. That was nothing. She never even saw it, but she said it was nothing, and she knew there was something above the tree. So I think that she was actually working with them and maybe a hybrid. But then she said, now let's get back to exercising. So we do about three side straddle hops, and the bell rings. And it was an hour-long class, but we all experienced about 20 minutes of it. And when I was hypnotized, <clears throat> they took all of us up into the ship and we walked through it for some reason. And some of the girls were upset and they were crying. And um, then we were out. So I don't know what happened while we were in there.
but it was, of course, it looked long on the outside, but it looked even longer on the inside. Hmm. I think that's because they're multidimensional. Have you interdimensional? Have you ever come across paths with other people that you've met on craft? One has sworn that she saw me and that she disliked me immensely because I was helping them by leading people around. Now, I've had girlfriends, lots of girlfriends that, and I I didn't realize what it was, but after I knew I was an abductee, I would... I would find uh, punctures on them, marks on them, bruises. One one girl had a uh, scoop mark on her arm, and it was fresh. There was a red, you know, they're not much bigger than the end of your finger, your little finger. And there was a red line under it where the blood had been cooked as they scooped it out. So I do think it's the laser instrument and another thing happened with her i had a nickname for her i called her sam even though it wasn't her name and nobody knew this nickname at all we never used it anywhere except in my house well she had a flip phone a cheap flip phone less than a hundred bucks so it couldn't even play music and she got a text from a person and she was reading the text, and then she clipped, she flipped it closed, and as she's doing it, it goes, Sam, in a very robotic, electronic voice, and she just freezes, and she goes, did you hear that? I said, yep, I sure did, and there was no way that phone could talk. It didn't even have the technology in it to talk, and she said it happened one other time, a couple of days later. And they also saved her life. She was making candles and she had this uh, clear wax bubbling on the kitchen, on the stove, melting. And her son called her in to watch something on the TV. She went in and she got engrossed in it and sat down and she stayed there too long. This stuff's highly flammable. Well, the radio in the kitchen started playing, and she she got up, and then suddenly she remembered the wax, and she ran in there, and it was boiling really bad. It was getting ready to throw up onto the walls and everything. And she reached over and turned off the radio, and it didn't go off. And then she looked around, and she discovered it was not plugged in, and it didn't have batteries. It was an electric radio, and it was playing without being hooked up to electricity. And then it stopped playing. And she, of course, had turned the power down before she messed with the radio. It would have caught their whole house on fire. We have three minutes to go before we have to go to break. At the bottom of the hour, Byron Lacey is here tonight talking about what it's like to be abducted by aliens. Now, you've had a lot of you know, traumatic things happen to you during your occurrences, Byron. You know, but you're not holding any ill will like many people do. Well, like I said, 
They've saved my life nine times. I would be dead if it weren't for them. Why do you think you were chosen? Uh, because I volunteered to come here. For this particular point in time, we're at a very, a very important point in time. Uh, the government's, it's already piecemeal saying that there are aliens, that there are ships. If there are ships, somebody's got to be flying them. You know, and the, the CIA, they're releasing papers, even though they're not broadcasting it. I've read some of the stuff on their website. They've already admitted there are aliens here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, except if you're Jaime Mosan. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But things are getting ready to change. I think they are, too. But I'm just not sure where that change is going to come from. Because we know that the military-industrial complex still really wants to keep this subject under the rug. They're not going to be able to. They're not. They're not keeping it under the rug now. Are you following the whole government disclosure closely? Not really, but I hear about it and people tell me about it. Little blips of it come on Facebook and different stuff. So I hear about it enough. I don't really look into much about the aliens or anything except what happens to me, what I know. I don't like to talk about something unless I know it's real or I'm pretty sure it's real. That's why I usually don't speculate. So what's real then? There are aliens and they're abducting us and they're doing stuff to us. And some of us they're watching out for. Well, when we return from the break here at the bottom of the hour, we are going to get to some audience questions for you tonight because I know they are starting to build up. And I know we have a number of people who are AET contactees as well in our chat room listening intently to what you have to say about this incredible subject. Byron Lacey is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio. We have him until the top of the hour. Have you been abducted? Was it good for you or was it just good for them? Spaced Out Radio continues right after this. All right, we are clear. Let's see what Dirty Filth has drawn for us tonight. Rubber Ducky UFO, look at that. Just sipping across the <clears throat> desert there. He looks scared. He's not sure about his own power. It blew the rubber ducky face right off of him. And actually, if you look at a duck's face, it looks like a dog's head. Like the muzzle or the snout. I'm not sure what a duck's snout is, but... Mm-hmm. A bill? Could be a bill. A foyer? Foyer? Hi, Cowboys Five Rings and Donald Dean. How you guys doing? 
fue. Is it a facade or a facade? It's a facade, soft C, because it's got one of them Axante goos on it or whatever the hell that is, the bottom <laughs> of the C. That actually sounds like a good pasta dish of some sort, the Axante goos. I know, right? If Earth was 20 degrees hotter... I wouldn't have to scrape my car off in the wintertime. It's getting to that point again. We're getting close. Yeah, it's very close, Dave. Yeah. I'm having to wear socks again. Oh, my buddy at work, he's got his long johns on already. Oh, no. It's not even close to long john season yet. He's real scrawny. He's like one of the ZZ top looking guys. Oh, geez. About a buck 50 and 40 pounds of beard. Yeah, pretty much. Right on. It's the way it rolls sometimes. So I just got the State Farm personal price plan on my car insurance. So you told your agent you play the bagpipes for your dog? Ah. What? No, I didn't get that personal. My agent just helped me create an affordable price just for me. Okay, let me show you what I've been working on. Hey, Buster! Contact local agent E.G. Warren Jr. in Gulfport today. Prices vary by state. Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary. Dental Sound Bites. Created for dentists by dentists. What's the first word you think of when you hear candy? <laughs> More sticky situations, amazing guests, fascinating information, and lots of resources you can use at work and in your life. Love it. This is yep. fun. Let's do this together. Especially love. Yes. Yes. Talking nerdy. <laughs> Even I could have taken them out. I you think. could have. <laughs> I'm going to pause you right it, there. I'll share with you uh, a Greek wisdom. Dental Sound Bites. Season 3. Coming soon. Wherever you get your podcasts. <clears throat> Tell Blob I'm disappointed she didn't come say hi. I'll I'll relay your displeasure to the Blob later on tonight. Dave. Th- thank you, Arrows Andy. How you doing? Is the ducks fart called a zoom? That's funny. That's I'm funny. Not sure. <clears throat> There's definitely a word for it. Mm-hmm. Sovereign farts. How you doing? You having fun, Byron? Yes, I am. Good. Good. You know, Dave, I think you might actually be right. About what? The stream yard is slightly faster than the chat room. Yeah. Told you. Told you. Maybe it's just that metric internet. I'm not sure. I think it is. <clears throat> Well, Dave. You out of here? I'm, well, yes, but I'm excited. Try some pizza in Reno. 
I know. Kira's working hard on it right now. I'm reading the I'm reading I'm reading the emails that Kira's putting out. She's like, you know, they're in the they're in the scrum. They're pushing and shoving. You know? It's gotta get a little bit of elbow in there. Yeah. She'll definitely throw an elbow. Kira throws a mean elbow. One of those nice close ones where she just turns the top of your body and just clips you nice and good. Mm-hmm. Drop you right on the ice. Mm-hmm. But she's nice because she grabs you so you don't bonk your head. Yeah. Yeah, she makes sure she... she up, but she'll make sure you're okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's Kira. Okay, Dave. All right. Thanks, buddy. Have a great night, buddy. You too. Dirty filth, everybody. Hey, everyone. All right, and as we say goodbye to Dirty Filth, we want to say thank you to Human Carl, Debster, Noble Patrick, the birthday boy, and W. Decker for the great super chats tonight. It's a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. If you haven't already, sign up for the Space Travelers Club on Patreon for as low as 5 bucks a month. The link is below in this show if you're on the YouTube side. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We got great shirts there. We don't have ugly shirts, people. We got a little something for everybody. And don't forget to hit subscribe and ring that bell. Here we go. show is done we got another half to go that's spaced out radio for you it happens each and every night here on the mighty sor my name is dave scott your host with the most tinfoil wrapped around at all times hey i want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio do old davy the favor hit that subscribe button our website spacedoutradio.com we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and now on Patreon for the SOR Space Travelers Club that you can join. Here we go, Byron Lacey. We have until the bop, top of the hour, that is, as we are looking to what ET Contact is all about. Is it fun? Is it something that we want to experience? Byron, what do you say to people as we bring you on back? Say, I don't care what the experience is like. I just want to have the experience so I know it's real. Good luck. Uh, There are people that want to be abducted, and who knows they might be, but they don't get to remember it. They're not going to just take somebody on a whim, I don't think. Isn't it more about be careful what you wish for? Yeah, that's, that could be a point, too. Okay. So when people are asking about them, how does one know whether or not they've been abducted. 
Well, you would have had an experience of missing time, or you would have bruises that appear on your body out of nowhere. Like when I was in, my, when I was first married, my wife said, "You know, you hurt yourself while you're in bed more than anybody I've ever seen." Because I would wake up in the morning with bruises on my legs, on my arms, different places. You'll have punctures that are out of nowhere, and you'll know you didn't puncture yourself. And you can have scratches, too. Some of the scratches look like they were done with a razor blade. They're very fine. Some of them can be a little bit bigger. I've never, well, I don't think I've ever had a scratch that I've noticed. All right, let's get to some audience questions here for a quick second here. Let's go to Donovan. Do you think they, as in the aliens, just filled your mind, Byron, with good wishes, but deep down they really wanted to just eat us? No. I'm empathic. I can feel people's feelings. Sometimes I feel them as if they're my own and I have to distance myself from that person and then those feelings will go away and uh, or they'll say something about the way they're feeling and I go, wow, and then it'll be gone for me. But I've never felt anything negative about them. All right, let's continue on here. Let's go over to Neil, who's asking, what planet are these mantis beings from? I don't know. Would you want to know? I really don't care. So I guess no. I don't really want to know. I mean, you can give me some name, like weird name. I wouldn't know where it was, even if it was real. Okay, here we got another question for you. This one coming from UFO Guy. It might not be you they could be exchanging you with a doppelganger. Do you think that's possible? I wouldn't know. You mean, am I a doppelganger? I don't think so. I guess anything is possible. All right, let's move on here. Let's go to Dracolticon. Byron, have you had any dreams about mass sightings or invasions? No. Aunt Edna is asking, are abductions generational? I believe so. I, um... <clears throat> when... In 1961, I was unable to sleep one night because of this new song that was playing in my head called Does Your Chewing Gum Lose Its Flavor on the Bedpost Overnight? And it was from England. And it played over and over in my head. So when mom came to get me to take me to get me to breakfast so I could go to school, I told her I couldn't go to school because I hadn't slept any. She put me on the sofa and gave me a soft drink and put me watching TV. And she said, do not go to sleep because you're going to sleep tonight and you're going to go to school tomorrow. 
and she left the room and made a phone call in the uh she took the phone from the kitchen wall uh, the dining room wall into the kitchen and made a phone call and at four o'clock my father came home from work turned out she had called him but he he just walks right past me and i'm on the sofa in the middle of the living room or against one wall and he takes her into the kitchen and they have some kind of discussion and he comes back out and he sits down and he says son you better straighten up or we're going to have to take you to a psychiatrist. Now, in 1961, a psychiatrist was a bad word. There was a big stigma against it that you must be insane. And he said, we Lacey's don't talk about ourselves. He said, I didn't know anything about what happened to my parents except what happened when I was around them. We don't talk about ourselves and you don't want to talk about yourself, and you don't want to be famous, and if you don't straighten up, we're going to take you to a psychiatrist. He said, a, a relative of yours, a woman who was alive in the late 1800s, was, she told people that little men came into her room at night and talked to her, and they ended up putting her in an insane asylum, where she died and you don't want that you don't want that happening to you and that was the end of the discussion now i'm sitting there what i just had a song playing in my head i mean i wasn't saying anything like that because you wouldn't talk to my father that way he was a very big man he looked like dirty harry and he was always frowning but he had said something that confused me like why did he bring up these little men and later i went ah those are the little men that i saw when i was five years old he remembered that he remembered that when i was 11. And he was trying to keep me quiet have you received a lot of backlash for being public about your abductions I had, uh, not to my face, I had one good friend of mine who said, um, I don't think you're lying, but I don't think it's real. In other words, he thought I was hallucinating or something. And he started studying. He started watching all the videos he could. He started watching the stuff on the computer. He started reading books. Because he had like four degrees, one in biology, one in physics, one in chemistry. And um, one day he goes, you know, I think you're right. I think you're being abducted. I've studied this all. And from everything I can tell, you know what you're talking about. Wow, that's a nice confirmation. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Very interesting. And, and he studied for about a year before oh, he said that. I want to ask you, Byron, you know, because there's a lot of charlatans in this field who are playing for their 15 minutes of fame, hopefully to get on a television show or series talking about their experiences. 
number one, what it, what to you is an experiencer? And number two, what do you think of these people who are out there and just trying to seek that that 15 minutes of fame? Well, if they're real abductees and they're telling the truth, then that's fine. If they're lying about it, then they're just muddy in the water for everybody else, for everybody. And I think it's very important that we we tell the truth. That's why sometimes I just have to go, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't know is the right answer. You know, I mean, it's it's a hard, hard uh, thing to accept. Have you ever had anybody from the government come up to you and talk to you about your abductions? No. And I, uh, I sent a copy of my book to NASA, to this guy that's in charge of uh, other worlds. I don't remember what Russell Green or somebody. I can't remember his name. I've got the letter up above me, but it's in the dark. Um, and he just wrote me back a, a pat statement saying that he was accepting my book under such and such guidelines and that it would be archived. All right. Let's get to a few more audience questions here. <laughs> let's go to Sovereign. Are the ETs you interact with from the fourth dimension? And what do you know about the fourth dimension? Well, I don't know if they are, but we know that they can jump dimensions because they become invisible. I think that they're more from the fifth dimension, but that's my own. I don't know. That's just the way I feel about it. Because a lot of the descriptions of what happens to you since our earth is supposed to be moving towards the fifth dimension, they can already do. They're already psychic. You know, they can already walk through walls. They can also turn their ships with no inertia, no inertial effect inside. And I have experienced that once. All right, let's go to UFO. We shouldn't call it abduction. We should call it guidance to the next stage of human evolution. What do you think about that, Byron? Well, that's why I've changed to calling myself a contactee. Because I do believe that's true. And a major thing for me since I was 22 or 26 has been meditation. Like, I've spent hours meditating. Really? Okay. I mean, in one setting, a couple of hours in a trance. And what happens when you're in that trance? Nothing. Literally. Everything shuts off if you get to the right place. Otherwise, your brain just talks and talks and talks. But when you really hit the trance, there's nothing. It's like being in space. 
go to Sandra. Have you heard anything about what is supposed to be happening with the aliens in 2027? No. Sovereign would like to know, have you asked your aliens where exactly the material of mirrors is sourced from? I heard that material is not from Earth. I've, I've never thought about that. I, I think mirrors are weird since you can't actually see them. I don't like mirrors. Don't like mirrors at all. Then I got to look at this face for radio. You know what I'm talking about? Just doesn't look good. Byron, for you, what do you want to see the ultimate thing ha- in your life? What do you want to see happen? Space travel. I, I want them to acknowledge that the aliens exist. I want the, the things, the technology they can give us for them to start doing it the medical stuff they can do, you know, the healing of wounds, no telling what they can actually do. Do you think society is ready for extraterrestrial contact? Yeah. Uh, Oddly enough, the people I talk to, even if they're not, like, into it, they believe in it. A lot of people believe in it. And I think that uh, well, they weren't ready for the Industrial Revolution, but they had it anyway. They can handle it. See, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that society is ready for it at all because they just they just seem to, you know, we're pretty good at screwing things up. And letting our anxieties take over and all sorts of stuff there, Byron. And I'm just not sure that they are ready for anything like that. I know a lot of people who are, um, they have a high school education. And I've talked to them. They're not bothered about it. And the younger people, like they're all in, they're all in. People in their twenties, I go to some restaurants, and I end up because I can't stop myself. I end up talking about the aliens, and uh, they're just ready to hear about it. They believe in it. I'm sure there are some that don't, but the one I've come in contact, the ones I've come in contact with are definitely pro-alien. They think it's real. What advice do you have for the younger generation, say the 20 and younger crowd, who probably believes that this is a subject worth spending time on, but they're not sure? I tell them to study Listen to people that talk about it. I think abductees, there's usually common things that happen to all of us. So I know what happens during abduction. And we know a little bit about what the ships do and people have seen.
What does summer sound like in a new Chevy? Find the best way to the ballpark with the Chevy Equinox navigation system. Load up the kayaks with room to spare in the spacious Chevy Trailblazer with 60-40 split folding rear seats. Haul out the camper and spend a night roasting marshmallows with the Chevy Silverado. Or feel the roar of the crowd and bring the whole crew along in the Chevy Traverse with seating for up to eight. So what are you waiting for? Click now and find summer happiness in a new Chevy. Find new roads at your local Chevy dealer. Traverse seating update standard and LS available on LT with second row bench seat, RS Premier, and High Country Seat 7. Verbo Vacation Homes come with 24-7 live support. So if you ever need anything, you can reach a real person in about a minute. Because if it's 4 a.m. and you need assistance, the last thing you want to do is wait to talk to a robot. Hey, how can I help? After all, live support is an amenity every vacation home should have. Verbo, private vacation rentals for you and your people. Ships. We know what they can do. We know they can disappear. We know that we can. I've seen one go all the way across the sky to where it was gone in like three seconds. And I've seen one on radar on TV, but it was real radar. And that thing went across the whole United States in just a minute or so, if even that much. We need that. So the cross between UFOs, ETs, and the hidden technologies that places like Northrop Grumman or Lockheed Skunk Works has, how are we today supposed to tell what's theirs and what's ours? I guess there's no no way to do it, except I don't think that the... The Earth versions come out very much. What do you think we have? What do you think we're hiding? Well, we could be hiding anything because we got those ships, um, you know, back in the 40s or whenever it was that crashed. We probably back-engineered all of that. The... uh, the stealth bombers and the stealth fighters, they come from that. You've talked a lot about the mantid beings that you have dealt with. Have you ever dealt with the greys or any other species? There's always been a mantis with the greys, and it always appears that, that he is the boss, and they are uh, doing whatever he needs done. They're the foot soldiers. And I've seen some men, well, they seemed male. They were about, oh, about three foot tall. It it was a period of my life I'd gotten a job in Austin for when I graduate, and it fell through. So I had no job, and I had passed up getting a student, um, an internship at the college, because I thought I had this job as a master printer. And I was pretty much at the end of my rope. I didn't know what I was going to do. And we had tried, we had gotten a job throwing newspapers, and that didn't work out. All kinds of weird stuff started happening into the car. But when we get home, it was fine. And when I take it to the shop, the next day it was fine. And I had pretty much decided I was going to kill myself. The next day I was going to get up and go kill myself. 
well, no, it wasn't that day. But I fell, finally fell asleep. We got home at midnight. I fell asleep, and um, I started dreaming. There was this wooden case at the end of my bed, and these little men would pop up, and they'd go, he's coming, and they'd disappear. And another one, he's coming, would disappear. And another one, he's coming, would disappear. And that went on all night long. And so we made it through the next day. And I think that the the car didn't work again. We quit the job. And I felt for sure I was going to kill myself. <clears throat> I was going to take the gun out in the woods and blow my brains out. Why? Well, well we, what could you get someone that depressed? Well, for one thing, I've had hypoglycemia and didn't know it. And I thought my wife would be better off if she was without me. Right. And uh, I just felt useless. I've been there. But I went to sleep. I went to sleep and I had this dream where I walked into the backyard of this friend's house. Well, first off, me and my wife, we drove all over Nacogdoches, the same place where we'd been delivering papers. Then... We stopped at a friend's house, and we were sitting at a picnic table, and I got up and went into the backyard, and there was a wooden case there, a glass display case from the 20s or 30s. And I saw this little figure, and I was looking at it, and suddenly it goes, Woo! and it's like six or seven feet tall, and he's real skinny, and he he had a thick, scrag, you know, he had a scraggly beard that was short, but a beard. And I felt afraid of him, but he wasn't doing anything to make me afraid. And he said, don't kill yourself. We have schools for you. And then he sucked up into this crystal skull, which I had never seen or heard of, and flew off. Well, I woke up and I told my wife I'd had this weird dream. And she said, so did I. She had had the same dream, except that. When I left and went to the picnic table, she and this guy that, that were there, they we'd all been in the car talking instead of at the picnic table. But they got under the car and hid because they were afraid because the landlord was coming. Byron Lacey, thank you for being on Spaced Out Radio tonight. I promise you it won't be eight years until the next time you're on. We appreciate it. Okay. Coming up next, Among time. the Missing... And then, Robin McRae with the Cryptid Report. Great job, Byron. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you letting me be on. You take care, and we'll talk soon, my friend. All right. Take care. I'll leave now? Yeah, I'm going to boot you from the studio here. Or you can boot yourself, like you did. Hey, look who it is. Super Duke. Super Duke. The lovely and talented Sally Elka. Mm-hmm. Emmy Tong, nice to see you. Sweet Tony D, thanks for coming on in. And who else is late here? That's it. That's it. Okay, I'll be right back, guys. Don't move. No moving. I'll be right back.
Okay. Let us get ready here. Hi, Zochito Paez Richards. How are you? <clears throat> Thank you tonight to T-Bone, Sandra, Monica, Carl, Debster, Noel Patrick, and W. Decker for the wonderful Super Chats. Very much appreciate the love and support. It's a great way to support what we do. Thank you to everyone, guys. You guys are awesome. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Please join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Nectarial. Nectarial is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clams uh, sets a password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us in the Space Travelers Club on Patreon. Here we go. We're having a great night tonight, as it is time once again for Steve Stockton to join us with another spooky story from Among the Missing. Hello, friends. Welcome to Among the Missing YouTube channel on Spaced Out Radio. I'm Steve Stockton. And I'm about to take you on an unbelievable journey of people just like you. Their stories and encounters will haunt us on Among the Missing. Next up, we have Natasha Ryan. Natasha Ryan, a 14-year-old girl from Australia, went missing on August 31st, 1998, after her mother dropped her off at North Rockhampton State High School in Queensland. Her parents assumed she would return shortly due to her tendency to run away. However, months passed and Natasha was nowhere to be found. When other women and girls started going missing in the area, concerns for Natasha's safety increased when it was thought she could be a victim of Australian serial killer Leonard Fraser. Approximately five years after Natasha disappeared, Fraser went on trial for multiple counts of murder, including Natasha's. On April 11, 2003, a prosecutor merely announced, I'm pleased to inform the court that Leonard John Frazier is not guilty of the murder of Natasha Ann Ryan. Natasha Ryan is alive. Using the assumed name Sally, Natasha notified a counselor that she was a runaway living with her boyfriend, 
and a man was about to go on trial for her murder. On April 2, 2003, the message was anonymously relayed to police, but the call could not be traced. In an unexpected turn of events, Natasha had not been abducted or killed. She had willingly disappeared and for five years had been hiding in a closet in a house she shared with her boyfriend, Scott Black, about a mile or less from her mother's home. Natasha claimed to have spent most of her time cooking, reading, sewing, and browsing the Internet in a darkened house. She claimed she only went outside a handful of times. Many responded to Natasha's sudden reappearance with outrage and wondered how she could put her loved ones through years of suffering by allowing them to believe she was murdered. Natasha later signed with a publicist and sold her story to the Australian version of 60 Minutes for 120000 Australian dollars. Natasha and her boyfriend married in 2008 and sold the news of their marriage to Women's Day for $200,000. In 2006, Natasha was found guilty of causing a false police investigation and was fined $1,000. During the trial, prosecutor Terry Gardner presented a $120,000 contract signed by Natasha with PBL as evidence that she had some means to pay back the $151,000 the police investigation cost. However, Magistrate Annette Hennessy ruled that Natasha could not pay the investigation costs. In the same court proceedings, Scott Black was convicted of perjury, fined $3,000, and ordered to pay $16,000 toward the investigation. According to the New Zealand Herald, officials asked Natasha why she stayed in hiding and didn't leave when people began speculating she was murdered. She responded, quote, the lie had become too big, end quote. Thank you, Steve, for another great story on Among the Missing. You can always go to Steve's channel, youtube.com forward slash Among the Missing. Hit subscribe to hear way, way more stories that we provide each and every night. We only do one. He's got hundreds of them. So make sure you check it on out, and it's always a lot of fun. Hit subscribe and ring that bell. All right, from the missing to the mysterious, it's time for us to bring back Robin McRae. Pardon me, Robin Haynes on the Cryptid Report. The lovely talented Robin Haynes is here again, and she is, careful, gentlemen, she is single and on the prowl right now. Oh, no. She no, is prowling. No, no. She's prowling, but you no, must. Here, no. Here no. is, here is the, 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 the catch for all, though. All right? You got to look somewhat like Sasquatch. <laughs> there you go. Hairy chest, hairy beard, hairy hair that's long and dangly. Hairy back, oh. hairy legs, and big, big feet. I'm safer with Sasquatch. I like it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I told oh. you before, I'd rather be out in the woods with them than our people. Oh, I know. I know. I know. I just wanted to bug you a little bit because we love you. That's all right. We you love can pick on me anytime. Robin, I, I want to go in a little bit of a different direction with you here because normally we talk oh, no. a lot about Sasquatch, but you okay. you also uh, are for people who don't know, Robin is extremely, extremely talented when it comes to clairvoyance. Uh, and, thank 
you. But you also talk to other cryptid creatures as well. Outside of Bigfoot, the lesser-known dogman, what other cryptids do you interact with? Um, I have with multiple times with cat people, lizard man, goat man. Um, One weird thing looked like it had a head of a possum, but it had a body like a human, and it was covered in hair. If it will talk, I can talk to it. It's not limited to anything. Once you're telepathic and can do mind speak, it literally, ETs, you name it. If it will talk, I can hear it. Out of all the cryptids you have ever chatted with, what is the strangest one? I think the possum one was because it was so bizarre, and it didn't really act strange other than... I mean, the behavior was a little odd, but it was just really weird because it was so far out there. It's like you're surprised you see what you see. Goatman wasn't too bad. He's really kind of stoic. Like, the dogmen are too. The goatmen just don't want to be messed with. I mean, they don't. They, they act like they're just unhappy most of the time anyway. You know, they weren't aggressive. They just, they're very stoic. Where at least when you're dealing with the Sasquatch and the Dogman, you get a little bit of a sense of humor in there now and then. There's no sense of humor with a goat man. Like, they just want to be left alone. Okay, let's talk about that. Because recently we did a show on the goat man with Becky Vickers down in Texas, who has had interactions mm-hmm. on the goat man bridge down there. And I'm very curious with with what this creature is all about. I mean, to me, you know, the goat symbolizes a lot of things. It can symbolize, right? you know, Satan and the devil and everything yeah. around it. But you have to remember, Dave, when these... What does summer sound like in a new Chevy? Find the best way to the ballpark with the Chevy Equinox navigation system. Load up the kayaks with room to spare in the spacious Chevy Trailblazer with 60-40 split folding rear seats. Haul out the camper and spend a night roasting marshmallows with the Chevy Silverado. Or feel the roar of the crowd and bring the whole crew along in the Chevy Traverse with seating for up to eight. So what are you waiting for? Click now and find summer happiness in a new Chevy. Find new roads at your local Chevy dealer. Traverse seating update standard and LS available on LT with second row bench seat, RS Premier, and High Country Seat 7. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Things are created, other than the stuff that our government's done, these are ET-created hybrids. Okay, so when they're doing it, they're not looking at it in a biblical sense. They're looking at, okay, what can I grab down on planet Earth that I can cross with our genetics and human genetics? And that's where it all ends up coming from. So they're not looking at it from a religious aspect. It's like when it comes to cat people. You get the Lyrians that have the long hair all around and have like a lion head. But predominantly, there's also a lot more of them that look like the head of a domestic cat. That's what they happen to grab. When you go to your dogmen, you're going to see where some look like the German shepherd head. Other ones look like the head of a hyena. It depends on what animal they snatched 
when they did the hybridization with it. So it's not necessarily, I mean, I know what it looks like. It kind of even looks like a satyr, but really and truly, these are just one more thing that are genetic manipulation. Are they biologically created on this planet? No, no, no. They're, I mean, the animal part of them gets snatched. They get created on other planets and then they get dropped off and it's kind of like, see if they survive, get information on what's going on down here. There's a multitude of reasons. Now, I will say this, the ones that I've talked to, they don't seem overly aggressive. They, you know, one was a little bit grumpy when people would come into his area and just like if somebody burst, like we've talked about before, if somebody busts into your home in the middle of the night, you're not going to be happy. Okay. You're not going to be sitting there with cookies and, and, you know, a soda for them. You're going to be pissed off. They busted into your home. These things are the same way, but they tend to be more reserved. The goat man does. Um, they can be a little bit more agitated. They aren't as friendly. They're not like some of our other cryptids that we've got, you know, and like, I've got that one thing still running around my place thing is enormous but it's got the head of a deer a body of a rabbit and the back on it's five and a half foot tall you know i don't know what the hell it is but it's still there doesn't bother anybody very passive it can cloak it can do all kinds of stuff but it never bothers anybody you know goat man as long as you're out of their territory and you leave them alone they'll leave you alone can they get aggressive yeah any of these things can get aggressive if you push the right buttons but it just depends on what animal they've grabbed as to what you're going to get. Right. And that makes sense to me. Okay. So when we are uh, dealing with something like a goat man or, or the mm-hmm. frogman of Ohio or the, be- yep. the beaver man of Alaska. Okay. Yeah. We are dealing with a lot of very interesting types of, of creatures that technically should not exist. Right. Yet here we are, you know, trying <laughs> to trying to deal with the fact that there are people having these experiences. Sure. What? And they are. And the thing again, it goes back to the ETs. Now our government is also creating hybrids. They are mixing and matching and in, you know, doing the whole test tube thing and they're creating all kinds of stuff and then they're cutting them loose. They use them in the military for whatever purposes they want. Then they cut them loose and the rest of us deal with it. And you know, these things are breeding, they're repopulating. It's not like there's one or two that they've done, but where did they get that technology? It didn't come from us. It came from the ETs, just like a lot of our technology did. And they will grab any animal they can find. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, it, the amount is staggering. We had a contactee with the ETs that were actually taken on a ship and was shown different ways that they do the hybridization. And they said, wait till you see what we come up with next. I mean, it's like this Russian roulette of whatever they happen to grab, they cross it. And, I mean, do we have DNA on all of them to prove it? No. My guess is if they were to get DNA samples on every single one of these cryptids, you're going to find a pattern, and it's all going to go ET human, and animal every single time. You know, do I have all the DNA on it? No, I don't. That's why, you know, Melba and I are trying to get DNA right now for the Genome Project. We want to get as many different kinds of cryptids tested as possible. But the truth is, you've got to get it. 
and it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. But I think if we were to get it, I think everybody would be somewhat surprised at the fact that they're going to come back with whatever animal, that human and that ET. And, you know, those facts are facts that I got from the ETs themselves, as well as if you look at the cryptids, every one of them, it's coming out in a pattern. And I think that's what it's going to end up staying. When do these cryptids come out? Because we don't seem to have a lot of these strange cryptids like Goatman, which we're just talking about, being seen as much as, say, a Sasquatch or a Dogman. No, I think, you know, your numbers are predominantly more with the Dogman and the Sasquatch to begin with. You know, some of these other cryptids, yeah, they've been around. Like we know for the Sasquatch, depending on the individual that was tested, they were anywhere from, had been around 13,000 to 15,000 years. So, I mean, as far as their background history on them. These other ones, I think, are a little bit newer, maybe within, you know, 800 to 1,000 years, but they've been around. But they're also much more reclusive. You know, the Sasquatch and the Dogman tend to come forward and actually kind of keep an eye on what we're doing, and they get curious. And it's like they're spying on us while we're spying on them. You get these goat men, the cat people. The cat people are getting to where I've noticed more and more people are starting to see them. But you get some of these other cryptids, and they really do. They're much more reclusive. They stay at the back, you know, as far away from everybody as they can get. They're not quite as curious as, per se, a Sasquatch or a dogman. But they're all breeding. Every one of these types of cryptids, they're not there by themselves. They are actively breeding. There is a breeding population of them. So they're just going to continue to grow. Okay, so... You know, if I look at Dogman, in 1989, we saw the Dogman, you know, or heard about the Dogman for the first time due to the late Linda Godfrey, who was a journalist yeah. who reported about the, about the Beast of Bray Road. And it made, her, right. it made her career, this creature. It did. Okay. And all of a sudden, like 30 years later, we are seeing dogmen corner to corner to corner to corner in North America. Yeah, they're braiding, they're coming forward. Now, I've been working with the dogmen the same time I started with the Sasquatch when I was little. So you're talking between the ages of two and three, you know, but I was not out there talking about it. And that's the other thing, you know, you have people that see these things, but just because they're not running around with the sign saying, guess what I saw, doesn't mean there aren't contact. There is but they are becoming more and more popular where people are starting to talk more about them as the, the topic is more accepted. I mean, we've, let's face it. We've all had a hard time getting it even accepted and they're still battling over abilities and flesh and blood and, you know, the whole ball of wax. But as it's getting more common, more and more people are going to talk about it. And they do predominantly see more of the dogman and the Sasquatch. And they probably always will because they were here, I, you know, I'm not going to say they were here first, but they are really curious and they do like to keep an eye on what's going on and they do come forward more. A lot of these other ones, like your lizard man, you know, I've got the one picture of the one standing in my backyard. Why in the world it was in my backyard, I have no idea. But they tend to be a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more reclusive. They want to get away from people. You know, where your Sasquatch, I think of all the cryptids, are more prone to coming forward and interacting with us. Dogman is following that suit as well. Now, I don't have any problems with the ones at my house. Mine, you know, they walk around and do whatever they want to do. But, you know, every different area, 
is different. Every personality and every single one of them is different. Mm-hmm. Now, does Dogman or any of these other cryptids have rogue elements to it, much like we much like we hear with Sasquatch, where there are certain rogue pods that, and and creatures that really do not care to be disturbed, can't stand people, don't want people around. I mean, I, I look at this almost like if you look at killer whales, most of the right. po- you could go swimming with most of the pods out there. They're not going to harm you because they're curious giant dolphins. Okay. Yeah. But, but the rogue pods, they have oh, yeah, no they're problem. Deadly. They're deadly. Exactly. I mean, so do we see the same thing in the cryptid world? Absolutely. You know, all of these things have a human element to them. So you have to remember, like with our people, we have rapists, we have pedophiles, we have murderers, psychopaths, whatever. So do they. Okay. And everything is born when it's first born. It has a choice between, you know, being good or being bad. Everything has free will. And they're all each have their own independent personalities. Now, what happens is a lot of the bad stuffs tend to bad, band together. Okay, look at LBL. You go over there and you're taking your life in your hands. Do they have any decent groups over there? They actually do. They're just not a lot of them. They pretty much stay by themselves because the bad ones are running amok over there. And they tend to gather like that. You go to Vancouver Island, and I did work on Vancouver Island years ago. Vancouver Island, there's two groups. I mean, there's more than one clan there, but there's two groups. You have the bad ones and the good ones, and they've divided that island right across the middle of it. And we had a situation years ago where the bad ones were invading over into the territory of the good ones, and it was like a bloodbath over there. And then everybody separated again. But it all comes down to free will, and you're going to have good, and you're going to have bad. And they have the same problems with their people that we do. I can see that. I can see where that would be something that would be very deadly and something. Yeah. So how do you know if you're in a good area or a bad area? That's when, you know, and I sound like a broken record. I'm sorry, everybody, but that's when you start reading that energy. And even if you are not trained in energy work, because not everybody is, your body is going to recognize a negative energy before your brain will. So you're going to go into an area that might have that negative energy there. Your body, it's almost like your body recoils. And that's why you don't feel comfortable anymore. If you're walking around in there and you're nice and relaxed and you just, everything feels like it's going good, then you've got some good energy there to work with. So even if there's a bad one there, there's also good ones. But when you walk into an area and you're like feeling like you have to look over your shoulder and you're, you're nervous and you're agitated, don't stay there. That is your sign to leave. Nobody's forcing you there at gunpoint. If, the, if it doesn't feel right, if you physically don't feel right in that space, you shouldn't be there. Go back another day. We've had that situation with you, Dave, where remember you went the one time and there was just not something really pleasant there and, and you called me and I'm like, Give it a couple of weeks, it'll pass. Two weeks later, it was great. You know, things wander in, things wander out. I was at home one time, this was several years ago, and I had been outside most of the day with the Sasquatch and interacting with them and walking around and taking photos of the stick structures and a few of them. Everything was fine. 
about five thirty, six o'clock that night, I was still outside and all of a sudden everything changed and they told me to get in the house. I was like, why? Everything's fine. No, get in the house. I go in the house and you just see nothing but all these rocks being thrown from the woods across to the other side of the woods because a rogue had come in and they ran them out. I mean, which I was very grateful for, but yeah, I mean, not everything is nice Not everything is going to be good. It's not any different than, you know, if you go into town and you're at the store and there's a gang up there, or somebody starts a fight and you're in Walmart or whatever, these things are going to happen occasionally. So you just have to gauge yourself. If you go out there and like, let's say you're feeling everything's great and you're enjoying your day. And then all of a sudden it's like something turns real quick. That's your, that's somebody telling you, you need to leave. And there's nothing wrong with that. Come back at a different time. It probably will be gone. Well, Robin, it is that time where I have to say you need to leave because I'm going to bed. the cryptid ship <laughs> report is over for tonight. We will talk to you next week, my friend, and it's always a pleasure Sounds to have great, you here. great, sweetheart. Love you guys. Robin McRae. I make that. Robin Haynes, everybody. <laughs> Single and ready to mingle with Sasquatch. Yes. Coming up next, it's the Dave 101 and the strange news of the week. We will be right back on Spaced Out Radio. Bye, sweetie. Bye, Robin. We love you. Love you. Bye. Take care. <coughs> mm, sovereign farts. Uh, R. Lynn, L-Y-N-N-E, forest people. At gmail.com. Paul Heineck. Look at that. Look at that. The man who never has a hair out of place, the legendary Paul Heineck. How you doing, my friend? Look at that. Dave Squatch wearing the wife beater. Well, thank you. Thank you. I am a fashion statement tonight, my bud. I am a total fashion statement. When are you coming back on the show, man? We got to have you back on. Love Paul Heineck. Not funny at all as a human, but just a good dude. Just a good dude. Oh, you make me laugh, Paul. You make me laugh. I'm free that night. What night? Oh, my goodness. Paul Heineck, you got to join us for our fan party in Reno, May 10th through 12th. It's going to be a good time. I will let you know. Uh, Reno, May 10th through 12th at the Silver Legacy Casino. We're going to have fun there. 
Tim Mothman and Tim Mothman's goatee are buying tickets. We don't have the prices set up yet. We're just lining stuff up with the hotel here very quickly. Susan Alloway, a great veteran of the United States Navy. Thank you for your service, my dear. If you ever get a chance to meet Paul Hynek, do so. Fantastic dude. Once again, not funny, but a fantastic dude. Lightwalkers, I didn't hear about that case. Let me... uh, Just Google it here. Mm. Yeah, she was uh, taken out by somebody. Although Vanderhoof is a weird place. Yes, not funny, but you you do make me laugh. You do make me laugh. God. If I knew this type of harassment was coming tonight, I would have been more prepared for it. (laughs) Oh, I got lots. I got lots. It's late for me, though. I've been working. You've been sitting at home, sipping your Chardonnay, smoking a stogie. Just planning on this for months. Uh, Vanderhoof has a lot of weird stuff that happens up there. A lot of uh, UFO sightings, cryptid sightings, um, a lot of alien sightings, Sasquatch sightings, weird noises in the sky, in the ground, or like screeching train brakes, all that kind of stuff. It's really weird. Thank you tonight to T-Bone, Sandra, Monica, Human Carl, Debster, Noble Patrick, and W. Decker for the Super Chats tonight. Very much appreciate the love and support. And uh, we're going to get going here in five seconds. Rounded third, we're heading for home tonight on Spaced Out Radio. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Reminder to all of you that if you miss most of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. 
rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon and the Space Travelers Club. It is that time of the night where I say, get off my lawn, and Paul Hynek is not funny. It's Dave 101. We all want answers to these mysteries that are around us. And the reason why I was thinking about this topic was because I had a conversation with my good friends, Phil and his lovely wife. What does summer sound like in a new Chevy? Find the best way to the ballpark with the Chevy Equinox navigation system. Load up the kayaks with room to spare in the spacious Chevy Trailblazer with 60-40 split folding rear seats. Haul out the camper and spend a night roasting marshmallows with the Chevy Silverado. Or feel the roar of the crowd and bring the whole crew along in the Chevy Traverse with seating for up to eight. So what are you waiting for? Click now and find summer happiness in a new Chevy. Find new roads at your local Chevy dealer. Traverse seating update standard and LS available on LT with second row bench seat, RS Premier, and High Country Seat 7. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pauline over the weekend. They're ghost hunters. And they're wondering why I'm really not into the whole ghost hunting aspect of the phenomena. Now, look, I like chasing ghosts. I run a ghost tour to run, help raise money for the local museum. I do a lot of things. With ghosts, my house is haunted. I, I I picked them up. I've had conversations with ghosts. All right, yes, yes, I've had conversations with ghosts, but that's neither here nor there. Okay, the big thing is in my conversation with Paul and uh, Pauline and Phil was the fact that they were wondering why I just wasn't into ghost hunting. And then I told him, I said, I have a bad taste in my mouth because of all the ghost hunting teams out there over the years that I have talked to, that I have interviewed and, and all sorts of stuff. And the one thing that I have learned about the ghost hunting side of things is that nobody is looking for any solutions. Nobody is looking for whether or not there's life after death. Nobody is looking into why we stay in locations once we die. No. They want to know if we can knock on wood three times. They want to know if the ghost can create some footsteps on the stairs going up to the second floor. Or if someone can jump out from a grave and say, 
No, I'm being serious, though. If you want to confuse a ghost hunter, ask them what they do with their evidence. They'll tell you, well, we review it and we go over the evidence. Well, what do you do after you review the evidence? Well, what do you mean? Well, shouldn't you do something? Store it? Maybe confide in other teams to see if they got the same results at the same locations? Wouldn't that be great? Or you get a lot of teams out there who will just say, we are here to help the spirits. How do you help them by asking, what kind of ice cream flavor do you have? Or do you enjoy? What day did you die? (laughs) Sounds kind of fishy, doesn't it? Look, the problem that the ghost hunting field has is that they have never gone to school for it because there is no school for ghost hunting. What they learned, they've learned from ghost hunters on TV, ghost hunters international, ghost adventures, and every show out there that Chip Coffee has been on. And what do they do? Well, we don't believe in psychics, but we're going to bring a psychic in, but we're not going to listen to them. Or we are here to debunk everything because everything should be fake and false. No, no, there are no ghosts here. Well, you've investigated this place for like three days. And it's not like you could ask the ghosts to just pop up and show up. Hell, at my museum, where I do a ghost tour every two weeks, we have times where the ghosts just don't want to play. They don't want to hang out with us. They're bored or they're, you know, we're interrupting their tea time or whatever it may be. Because there's a golf course right around the corner. Nope. How to confuse a ghost hunter? What do you do with your evidence? What are you trying to solve? I challenge any one of you, challenge you, that if you talk to anybody in the paranormal field, ask them the question, what are you trying to solve? 99% of them cannot tell you. Why? Because it's adventure time for them. It's adventure time for them to to go out, have some spooky times doing something they enjoy. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. They're allowed to have fun. Everybody's allowed to have fun. Old Davey here is, isn't saying, well, you got to have fun, but only on steps A, B, and C if you're doing those. No, not at all. You can go out and have fun. I don't consider myself a paranormal investigator. If I go on a paranormal investigation, I'm doing it for the fun, not trying to solve anything, not trying to be something I'm not. I'm out there for fun. But the majority of these teams, they take it seriously. They don't want to confide in other teams because why? Oh, that's simple. They may ruin our area of investigation. No, no, they're not. You see, 
there's a lot of questions out there in the paranormal world that I would like answered. As someone who is deathly afraid, pun intended, of death and dying and knowing that at 50 years old, my life is likely, by the statistics, two-thirds over, I would like to know what's on the other side. How do we get there? How long does it take to get there? What's over there when we're there? You know? Does Grandpa hand you a nice cold beer when you cross over saying, Hey, kid, I've been waiting for you. Okay? Does Mom give you a big hug and say, Hey, I've made some cabbage rolls tonight. Because Lord knows if those two things happen, that's a pretty good place for me. We have a lot of smart people in the paranormal, cryptid, and UFO world, but we seem to be putting our energies into everything else but actually solving the questions that need to be out there. All right? I mean, you look at the cryptid world. 50% of the cryptid world would take somebody like Robin Haynes from the cryptid report, and they'd throw everything that she says and does in the garbage because they want to play the science role. They want to play the flesh and blood role. They don't believe in the woo, so therefore the woo is impossible. And therefore, anything that happens with woo isn't worth reporting. You take the narrative in the UFO world that we talk so heavily about. That the government isn't trying to pull the wool over our eyes in probably the first of many of the phenomena that we could actually solve. Is there life out there in the stars or time travel, dimensions, whatever it may be? But no, they're going to hold on to those secrets because you're not good enough and I'm not good enough. And we don't have the right positions in life. So they're going to control this narrative so they can try and make a bunch of bigger bucks off the military industrial complex, which is fed by the taxpayer themselves. That's where you get those, you know, billions of dollars that just seem to vanish and go missing. And nobody knows, even though they're paying $8 million for a fridge on a 747 flown for the president. Yeah, nobody really wants to solve the answers. And here's the reason why. Because when you solve the answers, the fun ends. Truth. If you all of a sudden had a ghost tell you, yeah, this is what it's like on the other side. You know, heaven isn't what it's made out to be. You know, there isn't no lawn chairs. There is no swimming pools. There are no girls in bikinis or boys in short shorts. And Dave, you're still fat when you cross over. It's pretty depressing. Or what if, you know, the Darwinists are actually right and you're one and done? You know, you have your life, you breathe your final breath, and then poof. That's it. It's over. That's what scares me. And just saying that actually gives me a little bit of an anxiety attack. But wouldn't it be nice to actually put all of these brainiacs together and get some answers? 
I would like answers, wouldn't you? But the problem is anybody who is researching the phenomena, because there is no accreditation to this, there is no university degree in this, anybody can be what they want in this field. How many ghost hunters started off by watching TV and say, huh, I can do that. Or I've heard a Bigfoot in the mountains around my house. I got to go for a drive in the forest. Boom, now I'm a cryptid hunter. Anybody can make up a title in this field. And the problem with cryptids is even if you find evidence, you can't do anything with it. Because there's not a lot of science labs out there that are actually wanting and willing to do the research or the DNA testing without money. DNA testing is expensive. It's thousands of dollars. Only to probably come back inconclusive because they haven't figured out what the DNA is yet. So, we continue the endless search abound, looking for the answers to questions that maybe don't have answers. But wouldn't it be nice if all of us could actually come together and work for the same goal, and that is solving some of these incredible mysteries? Yes, it's utopic, and usually things that are utopic are never possible. And I don't think it's possible right now. But it doesn't mean we can't try. It doesn't mean that we can't share evidence to see what you got and I got at the same location without causing drama. Drama is what feeds the paranormal, supernatural, encrypted world. Drama feeds the UFO world. Because in the end, the majority of people don't want the answers. All they really want is the experience that it happened. Because for the majority out there who are looking into it, especially UFOs and aliens, like Stanton Friedman, they've never seen a UFO, nor have they ever seen an alien or contacted an alien. It's sad. And not, some people just want that one-time experience of being able to say they saw something weird. But for the rest of us, that doesn't matter because we don't fall into the narrative of any of the subjects. The paranormal crowd really started to die off a few years ago when the egos got in the way. People vandalizing museums and graveyards all for the sake of trying to track down a ghost on some stupid theory. Nobody trusts them. Or you get the cryptid hunters where they can't make up their mind of what the creature is or even if it exists. And yes, there are still people out there who think there are people that spend hours upon hours overnight in a drunken stupor, taking a piece of plywood and stepping down on wheat to make crop circles. 
How about we just stop with the BS and start being honest, not only with ourselves, but with the phenomena? Because one thing that we deserve in life, because it's so short, is answers to the mysteries that are abound. And that is your Dave 101 for this week. If you're on YouTube and you're listening to the Dave 101, do us a favor. Give us a comment. Tell me what you think. Let's get to the news. What time is it? It's time for Shirky Pink News. Okay. Let's start this off with, let's go here. All right. Yeah, something's a little fishy right now. An OnlyFans model who makes money by flatulating into jars was blasted by a woman who caught her husband pleasuring himself to one of her videos. Yasmina Khan is a content creator on the subscription site, but she became the target of the fury of one woman when her husband was actually enjoying her latest video. Khan took to Instagram to share an angry message she received from a user named GWGWRE with her 141,000 followers. Why do you post twerking videos, the woman asked. I caught my husband doing his thing to your video. The angry missus continued, it's not right. She then proceeded to plead with Khan, put the videos down, please. Khan captioned the image of the message, dead. Unsurprisingly, Khan's videos have not been removed. According to the Daily Star, Khan earns about 400000 a year from her OnlyFans. She previously told the outlet that she always gets asked to sell pants and bras, but some of the weirder requests she has gotten, some of which she's obliged, some she hasn't, include asking her to fart in jars, urinate in pots and send them to them, and fans have even asked for toenail clippings. Seriously, what's wrong with people? What's wrong with people? That's not even a fetish. That's just disgusting. All right, sticking with the lustful side of the stories here. Remember that uh, lady a few weeks ago or a few, yeah, about a week or so ago who was on an airplane and she was arguing with the lady and she let the world know that she was Instagram famous. Well, she might be carving out a brand new niche for herself. According to TMZ, Morgan Osman, who went viral this week after she flipped out on a fellow group of passengers on an American Airlines flight, has been offered twenty five grand to appear in adult film videos from Triple X site Cam Soda. Given your interest in being filmed, we here at Cam Soda would love to have you broadcast yourself on our Triple X platform. I'd like to formally offer you up to twenty five thousand dollars to perform a one hour long cam show on our site. A letter from the company reads to cash in, Osman can pose in whatever she likes, whether it's in lingerie, a swimsuit, or her full birthday suit. 
Before it was shut down, Osman's Instagram page, where she posted a variety of scantily clad pics, boasted over a million followers. In the clip, which took off on X and Reddit, Osman was seen arguing with a fellow passenger in economy class as she retrieved her bags from an overhead bin. First off, if if you're Instagram famous, why are you flying in the cargo bay? There's a question I have. Call me the B-word again, Osman threatens to the passengers, telling her off-screen antagonist to shut the hell up. She then lashes out on another person, saying, you shut the hell up and you are a B-word again. What a potty mouth. When she notices she's being filmed, she turns to the camera and hurls the line that turned out to be the overnight sensation. And no, it's not cash me outside. It's film me. I'm Instagram famous. You bum. Yep. Want to bring her home for Thanksgiving. See how dad likes that. A woman was rescued from an outhouse toilet in northern Michigan after she climbed in to retrieve her Apple Watch that fell through the hole. Yeah, this is a gooder. The woman whose name was not released lowered herself into the toilet after dropping the watch at the Department of Natural Resources uh, boat launch in Dixon Lake. Yeah, first responders were then called when the woman was heard yelling for help. Kind of makes you wonder... <laughs> oh my goodness you imagine somebody goes to sit down on that toilet and all of a sudden you know you're taking a pee or something else and there's a woman staring up at you yeah i don't know gross well it happened they rescued her and there's still no word of whether or not she found her watch would she really want it after all of that? I don't know. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal. Rocket in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Rocket us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at work, at home, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAP, Facebook, Spreaker, LinkedIn, the Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter at hashtag SpacedOutRadio. Remember, this show is copyrighted by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us, because together, my friends... We're watching. We own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them too. Good night. With-
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.